0: I confess, I once pulled out my tits in a children's park because I was bored. I just want to say while Julie's thinking of a song, this is where it really rocks to be a woman as opposed to a man, because women can get away with that shit. This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please come back when you are of age. Welcome to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin-based live storytelling series featuring smart, sexy stories. The highlight of each show is the participation of the audience members who have the chance to share their own secrets, wishes, and regrets in the form of anonymous confessions, which are then read aloud during the show. Speaking of the show, I just want to take a moment to let y'all in on what's going on with Post Confessions for the new year. Uh, This, of course, is Mia Martina. I am one of the producers of Bedpost Confessions, and uh, mostly I am the voice of the podcast doing the intros and outros, etc. So starting in January, we kicked off our main stage show going quarterly. It was January 15th. It will continue on April 16th, July 16th, and October 15th. And then Bedpost will be doing an event of sorts in the months in between the main stage shows. So for February, we are doing a mixer, and for March, we are doing a show at South by Southwest Interactive. So if you're coming to Austin for South by uh, this March, come check out our show on Sex and Tech on Sunday, March 15th at 330 There will be more info on our website, but, you know, I can tell you it's going to be a great show with performances by Bedpost producer Julie Gillis, pro-dom Princess Callie, and others. And, of course, your confessions about sexuality and technology, and yours truly will be the MC. So kick off South by Interactive with a dose of good times and storytelling with Bedpost Confessions True Tales of Sex and Tech. So with our calendar changing a bit for 2015, so will the podcast. Instead of releasing it two casts a month, we will be bumping it back to one. Since we will be doing more events like the cocktail mixer with no performances, we will have less material to draw on from for the podcast. You know, generally, the of the four performers that we feature at the main stage show, two are podcasted. So these performances will be spread over two months instead of one. But we look forward to bringing you the same great material, like from the January show. For January, we did a mashup show with a soundtrack series, a live storytelling series and podcast based in New York City about songs that make up the soundtrack to our lives. Bedpost invited Dana Rossi, the producer of Soundtrack, to Austin for the first ever sex track, Sex Stories Linked to Music. The mashup of Bedposts and Soundtrack was a huge success, and we hope to do it again in the future. If you haven't checked out the Soundtrack Series podcast, you will want to, after you listen to Dana on this podcast, share her story about how working and dating in restaurants brought her to the next episode. And you will see what I just did there with that Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg reference once we get into Dana's piece. Without further ado, let's get to Dana Rossi of the Soundtrack Series podcast sharing her story. Here is Dana.
1: All right, I, I mean, everybody has told such amazing and sexy stories tonight. Ah, oh, that ends now. Um, I. Uh, all right, let's start here. I, I worked in restaurants for ten years, nineteen ninety four to two thousand four, and I don't know. It was always my experience that. If I was working at a particular restaurant and I was not entangled in some kind of sexual complication with someone else at that restaurant, I'm not sure I worked at that restaurant. Uh, and it's a bad idea to get mixed up in all of that, but it's just, I did it a lot. And my MO was always just start at a new restaurant and then figure out who was whom, what's going on, and then pick the guy that I was gonna like or date or fuck in the walk-in refrigerator. <laughs> Done. Uh, and in the fall of 2002, I, I was 24 years old, and I was working at a restaurant in Philadelphia. That's where I was living at the time. And the boy that I liked there was the bartender, and his name was Dave. And Dave was 30 at the time, and he had really sharp... Uh, facial features and sandy blonde hair and cobalt blue eyes. And he was really quiet for a bartender, actually. Like, one of the other servers observed, you know, it's like, he's like, I don't get it. He's got a bar full of women and he just stands there staring at the sink. And that really made me like him, though. Because I never, like, was really attracted to the charismatic, overly charming guys that would say stuff to you like... Our children would have amazing eyes. No, gross. I I always like the boys who, in a room full of giggling possibilities, would rather stare at the sink. And so, after a while, Dave and I figure out that we like each other, and so we start dating. And as I've said, like I've done my share of restaurant dating, even one time working my way up to restaurant power couple. That's where you, as a server or a bartender, date a manager. It was great. Um, but I was particularly excited about this one. Because it used to be that I was insecure enough that I would just date whoever I found out liked me first. And if and if you asked me like what I liked about this guy or that guy, I would be hard pressed to tell you because mostly what I liked was that they liked me. But this time I could tell you what I liked about Dave. I could and I will. Um I, I loved that we could speak in quotes from Mr. Show, or Curb Your Enthusiasm, or South Park. And one time, he even quoted, word for word, the "Damn It, Freddy scene from Truth or Dare. And if you have never seen a straight man do this, it is glorious. One time we went on a date uh, to see Cirque du Soleil, when Cirque du Soleil was in town, and as two men in geometric face makeup and black feathered headdresses and leather bike shorts flew above the crowd on tiny trapezes. Dave leaned over and said, I have a dead or alive video exactly like this. <sighs> Dave knew more about music than anyone I had ever met, and I could shoddily sing him like whatever song I only knew like five notes to. Like, Dave, what's that song that's like, dindada, dindodo? And he would totally know, like, that's dindada. <laughs> it is. And so he was the best, too, to go record shopping with, which I love doing. And he would tell me his method for buying 45s, and that is to just buy a 45 based on whether or not you like the cover. You know, you may discover a band or a song that otherwise you never would have known about, and if you don't like it, you're only out two bucks. And then one time we were record shopping on South Street in Philly, and I was being indecisive, and, and he realized the gravity of this situation, though, and he grabbed me by the shoulders and looked me in the eye and said, you may not find the chronic on vinyl ever again. (laughs) Buy it now. This guy, like, I really liked him. He was very much me. And, like, even though I I knew I was moving to New York the following year, and even though we had only been dating, you know, two months or so, I started to imagine what it would be like if maybe he came with me. And I even got to see a preview of that one day because we took a day trip to New York, and it was very important to him that we go and see CBGBs just, you know, from the outside. And at the time, I, I hadn't seen it yet. And uh, when we got there, though, it was actually, like, covered in scaffolding. Like, there was all scaffolding in front. And he very honestly said, like, not tongue-in-cheek or sarcastic or smarmy at all, just, I didn't want you to see it like this. And, you know, neither of us realizing that we were only four years away from not being able to see it at all. So, <laughs> just depressing. So, anyway, uh, so one afternoon... We are sitting on the two uh, chairs in his kitchen, and his big, fat, black cat, Sadie, was just plopped on the floor between us, and Dave is quiet, and he's not usually the most talkative person, but this is like an edgy quiet, and so I ask what's wrong, and he says, you know, I was thinking that maybe we should just be friends. I was blindsided. I did not see that coming. And I i mean, we had only taken that New York trip the week before. And what's more is I had just, like, met some of his non-work friends in restaurant dating. That's like meeting someone's parents. <laughs> and so I... I i I asked him why he he wanted to break up, and he was telling me a bunch of things, like, well, I don't think in the long run I would make a very good boyfriend or my apartment is too small, or I've been reading this book lately on the habits of powerful people, and I've been thinking about wearing more suits on a daily basis. And why would you want to be with someone who's in limbo like that? like i didn't I didn't get that last one at all. Like it all sounded like such bullshit to me. And so I just, I, I pressed him, and I pressed him. Like, why, why, why do you want to break up? And eventually I backed him into a tight enough corner that he broke and blurted out, I don't like having sex with you. Oh, is right. Now, we'd only had sex twice. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I, I, I'd hooked up with a bunch of guys before, Dave, but I'd only actually had sex with one of them. And I thought I was doing it right, but maybe I wasn't. And I, I, I tried to remember every detail of the two times, two, two times, one, two, two times that we had had sex. And I, I, I couldn't think of anything out of the ordinary, but I, maybe I didn't know from out of the ordinary. You know, I I was like, maybe I all along thought that whatever it was I was doing was super hot, but to anybody who'd ever been with me or around me, I was known as old thorny vagina. (laughs) I don't know. And I'm scared of that. And I I ask him, like, well, what was wrong with it? And he says, I think maybe I'm too tall. Yeah, he's 5'10". Or, he said, I think maybe you're just really inexperienced, and so you're not good at it yet, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I just, I really just didn't like it. And that would have been an awesome place for him to stop talking. But then he said, it's weird, you know, too, cause like, usually you're with someone and you don't really like them very much and they're, they're kind of awful, but you stay with them because you really love having sex with them and the sex is great. But this is like the opposite of that. And I, I I've never been in this situation before because I really like you and I really like hanging out with you. I, I just don't, I, I don't like having sex with me. I know. And then I, I didn't know what else to say. And so we talked for hours more. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, asking him what specifically it was that I did that made me bad at sex. If a shortstop is a bad shortstop, it's because he can't catch a ground ball to save his life. So that's what he has to work on. Grounders. I wanted to know what my grounders were. And he just, he wouldn't answer me. He couldn't give me any anything concrete. And we're just talking in circles, like for six hours. So much time is going by. The sun went down. It started to rain. <laughs> and I've... I've had a few conversations like that in my life where you do. You just, like, you hammer a point so hard and so much that eventually the conversation can't help but just disintegrate almost back into small talk because that's all you can handle because it's just been too heavy for too long. And I think that's what probably happened when I just said, Dave, what's that song that's like da-da-da-da-da? And he says, the next episode, Dr. Dre, And I said, okay. And then I left because we just broke up. And uh, the next time I saw him, though, which was a couple of days later at work, he had burned that entire album for me, 2001. That plus 10 other albums because he really liked me. Then The next... The next couple of weeks, I become obsessed with what it means to be good or bad at sex. And is that a thing? Or is it just come down to the chemistry between person A and person B and person C and person D and person E? Whatever is your situation. And, and I ask, I ask friends, you know, if it's a thing to be good at sex. And I ask friends to ask their friends. And then I ask friends, like, if they could tell me specifically what it is they do when they're having sex from beginning to end. And then people start you know, wanting to talk to me. Um, <laughs> understandable, I understand. It's just I was so focused on it. I had to know. I had to have these answers because in my mind, I was going to have the chance to sleep with Dave again, and I, and I had everything to prove. And so I, because my friends wouldn't tell me, and because this is 2002, uh, and I personally was not yet Googling everything, I could only think of one other option, and that was porn. Now, when I say porn, I don't mean hardcore. I at that time I would not have known how to acquire that. Um and when I say porn, I'm talking more about late night cinemax. <laughs> Specifically a show called Beverly Hills Bordello. Did anyone watch that? It was so great. And what I would do is, I would put a tape in the VCR. I had one of those TVs that had the VCR built right in. I'd put a tape in the VCR, and then I'd just hit record, and then record overnight while I slept. It's like eight hours of footage, like especially they had a marathon. And then, oh, and then I would label the tape Night Court Episodes. Which is like, which is probably, it's like a very, probably unnecessary trick that I learned from guys in high school. Because that's what they would do. They would, like, label their porn tapes popular movies so they could just leave them out or inconspicuously pass them around at school. Because for a while, I was like, why is everyone so into Predator 2? (laughs) Like, I was like, what's that? So, so anyway... I, I was so I would do that. I would I would tape it overnight and then the next night I would watch, you know, that catch, you know, whatever it is I got. And it would be easy, even logical, to think that I was watching Beverly Hills Bordello and I was masturbating because I was alone, uh, or because, you know, I was trying to figure out what it is I liked sexually. Oh, and then maybe if I did that, I would become better at sex because I would know what I liked and what I would be looking for and all of that but I wasn't doing that. What I was doing was closer to like when you watch a video of P90X and then you follow along by doing P90X. <laughs> so when Candy got on all fours, Dana got on all fours. <laughs> and I would know, and I'd mimic, you know, the arch of her back and the pout of her lips and the timing, of the oohs and the ahs and the rhythm of all of that. I was determined. I was going to know what good sex at least looked like. And from who better than the gals at Beverly Hills Bordello? And, and so every night as, as I practiced, P.S., it actually got to be a really fun thing to look forward to after my shift at work. But every night as I was doing this, I was just, you know, waiting and, and for and thinking about the opportunity, you know, and, and maybe it would go like that Dave was closing one night and I was closing. And so, what well, the hell, let's go get drinks. And we would go get drinks and then we would be stumbling home and we would, you know, arrive at his apartment first because I was on the way. And he would say, you want to come up for just one drink? And I would say, sure. And I would go up and I would show him what I learned so that this boy that I really liked wouldn't just look at me and think, bad sex. But then about a month and a half later, he started dating someone else. Of course he did. And her her name was Jeanette. And I didn't know very much about her other than that she looked rad. Like she had the, the heavy bangs and the dark rim glasses and the sleeves of tattoos and everything. And she worked at the restaurant next door. And so like I would see them. I'd see them walking down the street or she would come in and visit him and she would sit at the bar And he wouldn't so much as glance at the sink. And I would stand, you know, far away from them, but like positioned strategically so that I could stare at her and wonder if maybe just this was one of those girls that he didn't like, but he liked having sex with her. And so here she was. And if she if, if, if the chemistry between them was just better than it was between the chemistry between him and me, or if it was that she was good at sex, and what is it that she was doing right that I was doing wrong? I didn't know. And I'd never get to know. So I started fucking the manager. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Dana Rossi is the creator and producer of the Soundtrack Series, the podcast distributed by Infinite Guest, American Public Media, and the live show that appears in New York City and Austin. She is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because a book she contributed to, Madonna and Me, is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame library. So that totally counts. More about Dana at SoundtrackSeries.com. Bedpost confessions is produced by myself Mia Martina of Mia on top Julie Gillis of juliegillis.com, and Sadie Smythe of that's what Sadie said.com managed by Sarah Henry of O Henry events and podcast audio production by Ian Danskin of innuendo Studios you can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost confessions at bedpost Confessions.com. and thanks again to Dana Rossi of the soundtrack series for making the sex track event a huge success and a whole lot of fun. Find Beb has Confessions most active on Facebook and less so on Twitter. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience.
1: I confess, after 15 other partners, the best sex I ever had was with a 22-year-old virgin. Experience apparently doesn't matter. Listening does. Yes. This is actually, I have to read two of these Because they kind of go together Is that okay? Okay, wait, alright I confess, I once had sex in a graveyard at night I realized where we were But she didn't until several minutes in At which point she ran away screaming (laughs) Followed immediately by I confess, I like to run away from lovers after sex That was I one time I ran into a farm fence. I still have the scars. Was it a fence surrounding a graveyard? This is amazing.